0: Anyway, uh, it's just nice to be in God's house, to sing in English, and to be able to worship together. Amen? Amen. Everybody having a good week? Good. Everybody staying warm? No? Yeah, I was cold today, too. Everybody recovered from Thanksgiving? Okay, I have to tell you, my husband is uh, battling gout, so he's not here this evening. So um, I really think, and his doctor even sent a text message before Thanksgiving, please tell Chris to watch what he eats. So uh, he's having a rough time, but in the next couple days he'll be better. So Pastor Scott's doing some better. So uh, Linda's at home this evening taking care of Pastor Scott and Chris. So anyway, I'm glad to be here. (sighs) But this evening I want to talk about... um, Just an unusual story in scripture. And if you guys have any insights while we're talking about this, please feel free. I know Pastor Scott uh, said on my way out the door now, Tanya, you know, people can talk on Wednesday night. And I'm thinking, yeah, for you, but for me, I do not want them asking questions, which I do not know the answers to. So, but anyway, you are welcome just to chime in and and contribute because, you know, what, we're a family. We all have something to add. We all have something to give. So my message this evening is called Pushed Out. How many of you have felt pushed out this year? Pushed out of our comfort zones, right? Sometimes we've been pushed out of places of employment and working at home. I feel like I've been pushed out of South Africa. A whole country has pushed me out. Um, So it's an unusual season. It's an unusual time. And I know we keep praying, Lord, let this be over, but it just keeps lingering, right? So I want to talk tonight, how do we deal with situations when we're pushed out of where we feel like we belong? How do we deal with that? What do we do? How do we stay healthy and have the right attitudes in those difficulties? So my message is based on the life of an interesting and not well-known character in the Bible, and his name is Jephthah. And his name actually means pushed out. So Jepheth is mentioned in the book of Hebrews among the heroes of our faith. But it's important to remember as we talk about this story tonight that the heroes of faith were not perfect men and women. When we read Jephthah's story... I know when I read his story, I think, why were you included in the book of Hebrews? Why did God put you there? And I think God does that because we can love God. We can be faithful to God, have a heart to serve him, and still mess up. Can any of you say amen to that? I can say amen to that. So when we read this story about Zepheth, we just need to remember that God delights in doing things in our lives, in spite of our insecurities, right? And in spite of our failings, in spite of our doubts, in spite of our fears, amen? I was at a luncheon today in Denver, and there were just about 10 women there, and I pulled up to the house where it was being hosted, got out of my car, and a friend of mine pulled in next to me. And my friend's a little bit older than I am, and I I go over to her car. I would just want to make sure she doesn't need me to help her carry anything. And she says to me, Tanya, I think I'm dying. And I said, well, we're all dying. She goes, no, I, I mean, I really feel like I'm dying. And so I say to her, well, have you been to the doctor? You know, have you done this? Have you done that? And I really think what's happening with her And happening with so many people in our lives is they're feeling isolated, they're feeling alone, they're feeling afraid, they're wondering what's happening. But God is calling us to speak life to those circumstances. Amen. So in Judges chapter 11 gives us some insight into Jephthah's life. So, Jepheth's father's name was Gilead, and Gilead was actually a region. So, we get the impression from that that Jepheth's father was a well known man. He was identified by the region or the area where he lived. Jepheth's mom was a prostitute, and her name is not mentioned in scripture. So, Jepheth grows up in his father's household among the sons that are born to Gilead and Gilead's wife. And the father passes away, Gilead passes away, and Jephthah is pushed out from the family. Judges 11.2 says, Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jetheth away. You are not going to get an inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jetheth fled. Really, he was chased away. He was driven away. He was pushed out of the region forcibly. So he went to the land of Tob and he remained there. Um, He wasn't permitted to travel back. He didn't go back and see his family. He was ostracized. He wasn't welcomed. He was perceived as a threat. He wasn't included. He wasn't involved in family events. And tobe means to sit. You know, people can only sit idle for so long before they want to do something, right? I know sometimes, um, even in South Africa, we'll have a down day. And, and Chris and I call those pajama days where we just kind of wear our pajamas all day and snack on food and, you know, read. Because we, we don't really have TV. But we read or we relax or we sit outside. And, you know, after about one day, that's enough for me. I, I'm ready to get up and get moving and get something accomplished. But Japheth is at this place called Tobe. You know, and Tobes a good place. Come on, it's, a, it's an okay place. If someone would have said to Jephthah, hey, do you like living in Tob? He would have said, yeah, you know, what? it's okay. It's all right. Um, lust and greed pushed Jephthah from his home. Lust on the part of his father, who was with a prostitute. Greed on the part of his brother's because of having an inheritance now this is kind of off topic here but I just want to encourage us when we have things in our family that divide us and it's money work through it come on God doesn't want money dividing us if you get something going on in your family. When my mom passed away, there, there, there wasn't really a money issue, but m- my sister was the one who had taken care of my mom and. And my brother and I wanted to honor her and, and show her respect. And and we knew that sometimes when, when those things happen in families, when there's inheritances and money and houses, that those things, if we're not people of character and people of substance, if we're not people of prayer, those things can divide families. So... While Jephthah is living in Tob and he's pushed out, he's banished to this place of idleness, but he refuses to be idle. And Jephthah becomes a mighty warrior. In a place of idleness, in a place that was just okay, he becomes a mighty warrior. Now, We could say about 2020, man, it's been kind of a place of idleness, maybe, if we've been at home a lot. It's really not what I hoped for, really not that great, but it's okay. And in those seasons, those are not seasons for us to have pajama days every day. Those are seasons for us to take a stand for God and begin to do something spiritually, In Judges 11.3, it says that a gang of scoundrels, I like that word, gathered around Jephthah and followed him. So when we read that, we think, okay, a gang of scoundrels. Well, let me define what that is. You know when King David was on the run from Saul, and he was hiding in a cave, and men came to King David? This is the same word that's used for those men that came to King David came to King David. The same word that's used to describe these men that came to Jephthah. So we know that God was giving Jephthah an army to raise up. He was bringing men in a place of idleness for him to disciple, for him to train, for him to equip, and to prepare to do something great for God. So Jephthah gathered himself, those who were struggling, Others who had been pushed out, and he taught them skills and modeled for them strength and courage. Amen. Who are we modeling strength and courage for? I want us to think about that in a minute. What army are we building? Is God gathering people to us who are scoundrels? And if he is, we should be saying amen and be about the business of God's work. I love it that Jephthah did that. In his own rejection, he didn't reject someone else. In being pushed out himself, he didn't push away others that maybe weren't The gems of society. He recognized, I've been pushed out. I need to have sympathy, compassion, and be willing to teach and disciple someone else that's been pushed out. In Judges 11, verses 4 through 6, it says that sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel... The elders of Gilead went to Jephthah who was still in Tob and they said come be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites so we have this whole interesting conversation taking place Jephthah responds by saying okay you despise me you didn't like me you pushed me out i have no inheritance I belong nowhere. I've made a life for myself by fighting in a land that is just okay. And now you're in distress and you want my help. There's a principle in life. We see it in scripture, but we see it in life. Sometimes the people that push us out circle back around And want our help. And Jephthah models that when that happens, we don't hide what the people have done. We have truthful conversations and call it like it is. But we're still willing to help. Amen. So this bargain takes place and and Jephthah says, All right, I'll help you. And the elders of Gilead say, Well, when you help us, we're going to make you a commander. And we're going to make you a leader over the people of Gilead. I love it that when things are taken from us, God restores them. I love it when the enemy steals from us, when people don't understand us and we feel set aside. God brings all that stuff back around. So we see that Jeff Jeff learned a great time in, a great deal in his time in Tob. Um, He doesn't make war without first going to try to talk to the king um, of the Ammonites. He's reached this place of maturity where he realizes, okay, it's better to talk about this and negotiate this maybe before we start fighting and battling, you know, in the land. Um. There's a scripture that says in the New Testament that we're to be at peace with people as much as possible. I I like that, as much as possible. (laughs) So we see in Judges 11, verse 29, that the spirit of the Lord comes upon Jethro. He crosses Gilead and he crosses Manasseh. And that's a rocky region. And then Manasseh is really a place of forgiveness, a place of forgetting. So we see that things are taking place in Jethus' life. He's defending the nation. Things are taking place. He's growing. He's The things that were, were taken away from him, God's restoring, where he's been pushed out. He's now become a leader. And he's able to forget, and he's able to forgive, and he's moving on. And then he passes through a place called Mizvah, which means, God watches over him. So all kinds of wonderful things are happening in Jephthah's life. Victory is at hand for this man. Personal victory from where he's come from, but also victory for Israel. It seems like everything is turning around. A friend of mine sent me a YouTube video. It's, it's been a while, ago, a while ago, and I don't remember the name of the man who sang this song, but it was so powerful. And some of the lyrics were, it won't always be like this. Things are turning around for me. Turning around, turning around, turning around. It's not always going to be like this. There's a point where things turn around in our lives. And that's what Jephthah was experiencing. He was experiencing a personal turnaround, a spiritual turnaround. God was using him to turn around a nation. And you know what? God wants to do the same in us. Some things that maybe have been taken from us, God wants to turn those things around. Maybe some relationships that have been stolen or There's been confusion and things have fallen by the wayside. God wants to turn those things around. Maybe there's money matters or financial matters where there's been a loss or a struggle. I just want to tell you, it it won't always be like that. It's a season. God's going to turn it around. Maybe in our churches, sometimes we see struggles, and but God turns that around. He wants to do turnaround ministry in our life to make us impactful in our community and in our, in our world. Now, if the story stopped there, man, we could cheer and we could think, we understand why Jephthah is included in the book of Hebrews. If it just stopped there. We would think, man, wow, look where he came from. Look where God took him. Look what he's doing. But sometimes in the midst of turnaround, I'm sorry I have to lick my finger because it's so dry. My page. (laughs) He's pushed out by his brothers, pushed out in leadership pushed out into battle, victory is at hand. But there's a pattern in his life of pushing. And Jephthah makes a decision. Everything's going good. But now I'm going to push out God. You know what? Sometimes when All seems to be going well and victories at hand and things seem to be doing great. I don't know, but sometimes believers just decide, okay, I got this covered. I'm good. I can just handle it. I can just take care of it. I'm good, God. I I got it under control now. And I'm not sure what was going through Jephthah's mind because Scripture doesn't really tell us. But in Judges chapter eleven, verses thirty and thirty-one, Jephthah decides. Okay, victory's at hand, and looks like there's victory, and I'm doing good. I'm strong, but I think I just need to make a bargain with God. I, I just, I just need to tell God that I'm going to do this, and then when I do this, he has to do that, and then it's all going to be good. Because, see, I can do for God, and then God will do for me. It says in the book of Job, who is man that he can do for God? Somehow, in Tobe. Jacob didn't learn that God does for us because of his great love for us. He blesses us and he helps us. It's not like sitting at a table gambling. It's not like putting money in the slot machine and pulling the lever and saying, okay, God, now I win. I put the coin in. It's not like saying, okay, God, I, I've lived a good life. I've lived a righteous life. I'm, I'm a good person, so now you have to do this for me. Jeff bargains with God, and he tells God, um, he tells God, if you will give me the victory. Now, remember, the victory is already at hand. He's had success after success. The victory is at hand. There's no doubt that he's going to defeat the enemy, but Jephthah says to God, "If you give me the victory, when I get back to my home, the first thing I see, I am going to sacrifice to you." Okay, now, you know, I didn't. I didn't live in this era. And I have some understanding, a little bit, of Old Testament sacrifices. But if I was standing next to Jephthah, I would have said to him, this has got trouble written all over it. Come on. This has got trouble written all over it. I'm not sure you should be making a bargain with God. You know, in times of pressure it seems like our past has a way of creeping in, doesn't it? When the pressure's applied, it just... Sometimes we act out of character. Sometimes past issues or life experiences or disappointments just somehow raise to the surface. Now, Jeff lived in an environment where people worshiped the false god, Molech. And in that spiritual culture, you had to sacrifice to Molech for Molech to do something for you. So I am not sure why Jephthah did all of this. I don't know if his past creeped up on him. I don't know if it was fear. I don't know if it was the culture that said, hey, you got to do for God so he does for you. But whatever it was, Jeff have made a bad decision. Okay, so I just want to ask you, what what are some ways that you think Christians bargain with God? Let's think about it for a minute. I think that's one way too. That's good. Yeah. Anyone else? That's similar I think because it, he's just saying something at home that I love I'm going to sacrifice. And so it's like it could be it could be chocolate for some people, it could be something right, it mm-hmm. could be TV. It's just a bargaining thing to say I'm going to give this up for you god. I'm going to sacrifice for you if you'll do this thing for me. That's good. never know (laughs) yeah I know I I found myself a couple weeks ago um, bargaining with God and I didn't realize it was bargaining (laughs) until I kind of just thought you know what I'm not sure this is good but I was I was praying I was talking to God and I was telling God Lord if you'll just get me back to South Africa these are all the things Chris and I are going to do and I realized in a subtle way I was bargaining with God. Right? Anybody else think of anything that we do about bargaining? I think sometimes when we get have done something and then something happened, that's a plural part because we think we're responsible for something happening. That's very insightful, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes life just happens. Okay, let's let's shift a little bit. So during this time of COVID and unrest and political crazy stuff going on, what are some things that you've observed where people are trying to bargain with God? <laughs> yep. Mhm. Exactly. Yeah. That's bargaining. I bet there's some parents who've been bargaining with God about their children going to school. God, if you'll just deliver me from homeschool. <laughs> I promise I'll be a better parent. <laughs> Um, I, this happened a couple days ago, or a couple weeks ago. I was shopping at Hobby Lobby, and Chris had dropped me off. He was going to uh, some kind of sportsman's store while I was at Hobby Lobby. So he dropped me off, not realizing that I was going to have to wait in line so I'm waiting outside the store, and there are two women in front of me. And, and you know, you get women in a line or anybody in a line, and it's long, you start chatting. So I just say to the woman in front of me, Hey, how are you doing today? She goes, She begins to tell me, I'm exhausted. She says, I'm a, I'm a PA. I've worked every day since March. She said, My husband's trying to work from home. We have three children at home. I haven't made a meal in months. She so I just, I leave early. I get home late. I, I'm doing everything I can do. And so I'm telling her, um, you know what? Thank you for serving. Thank you for working. And then I tell her, your children are going to survive that you're not cooking meals. They're going to make it through. She's using Grubhub or something. And I said, you know what? Hey, at least with that, you could get salad. You could get grilled meat. You're not giving a McDonald's every night. So a woman overhears our conversation And she says to the PA, well, you know what? You should just be thankful you have a job. Okay, now, you know what? Guys, I I just got to clue you in. Women can be a little mean to each other sometimes, you know? And (laughs) I wanted to tell both women, you know what? I, I feel for you both. One doesn't have a job. And can't provide for her family. The other has a job but is never home and also isn't providing for her family. So I think in this season people are doing all kinds of negotiating, all kinds of bargaining, all kinds of reasoning, all kinds of things to just survive. But you know what, we're a voice of reason in troubled times. We're a voice of truth in troubled times. And so let's just continue with our story here. So Jepheth makes this vow. If you give the Ammonites into my hand, I will give you an offering or make a sacrifice of whatever comes through my door of my house to meet me when I return home. And the Bible tells us in Judges 11.32 that the Lord gave the Ammonites into Jephthah's hands. Then if we look at verses 34 and 35, it says, When Jephthah returned home, who came out to meet him but his daughter? And she was dancing in celebration. She was playing the timbrels or tambourine. She was his only child, and when he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Oh, my daughter, you have brought me down. I'm devastated. I've made this vow or this bargain with God that, that now I've got to keep. Okay, can you imagine? So this is why I, I struggle How did he ever get in the book of Hebrews? How was he ever put there with the heroes of faith? You know, vows are serious things. We keep our promises. The Bible says, let our yes be yes, let our no be no. Um, We're instructed to not make commitments um, that we can't keep. Um, Scholars believe that Jethro was the firstborn. Thus, his name pushed out. So it implies that he was the first to exit his mother's womb. His daughter was also an only child. She was also pushed out. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us her name. But Jewish historians believe that her name was Ada. I have an aunt, Ada, that's in her 90s. She's ready to go home to be with God when you talk to her. She says that the angels sing in her ceiling. She has a drop ceiling in her house. And that between the real ceiling and the drop ceilings, that the angels live there and they sing to her every night and lull her to sleep. Isn't that sweet? Um, But Ada means nobility or adornment. This daughter was everything to this father. I mean aren't your children everything? I mean you would do anything you could to protect your children. Do anything you could to make sure that they're safe. And now he's made this bargain and what is he going to do? Um the daughter has one request. And she asked her father Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I'll, ne- I'll never marry. Now, in verse 39, okay, this scripture is different in every version. I did research. I looked at commentaries and all kinds of stuff. I should have asked Dr. Scott, but I didn't. There are people that just firmly believe that this daughter was sacrificed. And then there are people that firmly believe that the daughter wasn't sacrificed. And I have to tell you, after reading all kinds of information, I'm not sure Some versions of scripture just came right out and say that she died. Other versions don't say that. So I'm not sure exactly what happened. So there's a lot of debate whether this daughter was sacrificed or not sacrificed. Rash vows and quick promises. Whoever exits my door... He says, really, Jephthah says, whatever exits my door, not whoever. He was probably assuming it would be an animal. Because, you know, in those days they built up. And so usually on the bottom floor is where the animals lived sometimes. So maybe he thought it would be an animal that would exit the door. Um, Part of the Levitical law was to sacrifice an animal when when victory came about. Now, I just want to say... God understands mankind, doesn't he? He created us. He understands our tendencies to make vows that we can't keep, to make promises that we end up breaking, to bargain when we're afraid, to be uncertain when past hurts and pressures come upon us. And he made provision for that. Jethro could have gone to Phinehas the priest and paid a ransom, ...to be released from his vow. Vows that, ma- that are made... ...that involve sin... ...should never be honored. Does that make sense? If someone makes a promise... ...and to fulfill that promise... ...they have to sin... ...it shouldn't be honored. Chris and I were doing some flu shots... ...in one of the villages... ...where we serve in South Africa... And we'd worked with this same practice, medical practice, for a couple years doing flu shots. And the doctors there were always gracious. We we paid for the flu shots. They came out to the village. Everybody lined up. We had to do it um, either by age, certain ages got flu shots, the elderly and young kids usually. And then we would feed everybody lunch, and, you know, it was just a great event because when someone gets flu in Africa, There's no clean water, there's outdoor toilets, it's just very, very difficult. And so first year went great, second year was okay. Third year we find out that they have doubled the price of the flu shots so they can make money off of us giving flu shots to young children and elderly people. So Chris and I are talking about it and and I say to Chris, well, we promised them that we would do this we, we have to keep our promise. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And Chris says, Tanya, it would be a sin to do business with these people. We would be taking money that Americans sacrificially gave us and wasting it because someone's taking advantage of us. We're not doing business with them. And at the time, I was like, well, I don't know. You know, we made a commitment. We made this agreement. And now I look back on that, and I think we were right to tell them, we can't do business with you. We're paying you a premium, more than a premium, double the price of the shots. And because we're paying you so much money, now we can't feed kids. We can't do this. We have to give less shots. We're not doing business with you. So when a promise is made and it becomes a sin issue, I don't believe we're obligated to keep that promise. And I also think that when we make a promise and we realize we've spoken in haste and done something we shouldn't do, we need to talk to God about it. And ask God to release us from that promise. And if it's a promise we've made to someone else, we need to go to them and ask God to release us. Ask that person to release us, to set us free, to not keep us obligated. And I know that's hard to understand. We want to be people of our word. And if could have gone to the high priest and made it right, we have a high priest that we can go to and make things right. We have a place that we can go and say, I've messed up. I've bargained. I committed to pay a ransom for your blessings. I I did this so that you would do this, or I thought I was going to do this, so I said I would do this, and now I can't, and, and I'm stuck, and I don't know what to do. We have someone that we can go to to help us with those issues. I'm not sure what happened to Ada. I'm not sure what happened to the daughter. Some believe that, like Hannah dedicated Samuel, that, that Ada was put in a life of service unto God. I know that in Judges chapter 11, verse 40, it tells us that the Israelites have a tradition that each year, the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate this young woman. So... I, I'm not as long-winded as Pastor Scott because I'm concluding now. And my husband told me, when you say you're concluding, you have to conclude because your yes has to be yes and your no, no, and you've made a commitment that you're concluding. So I want to end our time together with prayer. But before I do that, see, that that's the stuff Chris would say, you're not keeping your promise. You said you're concluding. Um, I just want to ask, does anyone have any opinions or insights about this situation with the daughter. Anybody ever did a study on this or researched this? Maybe you have knowledge or wisdom about this that I don't. Let's take a vote. How many of you think that the daughter was killed? All righty. Okay. I was going to say maybe this is based on gender, but it's not. How many of you think that she wasn't? See, I'm kind of with she wasn't, but maybe that's just my mercy, huh? Yeah. Like those Hallmark movies. Yeah. It's human sacrifice. Human sacrifice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really, this is the only time, other than the story with Abraham and Isaac, where which that didn't happen. This is the only time something like this is mentioned in Scripture that I'm aware of. Anybody else have an opinion about this? Nobody else. I did, and, and it's mixed with the rabbis, too, because a lot of times just to get history and stuff, those are great resources, especially in the Old Testament, and, and they're all across, they're, they're, they're divided as well. So somebody else had their hand up over here. Mm, that's a good point. Okay, so I don't know if you could hear what she said, but she finds it hard to believe that they would commemorate her year after year every year if she wasn't killed. So I'm not sure it's like one of those mysteries so in 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 that culture, it would have been that she would have been set aside in in service, yeah yes. Well, I think with Abraham, God spoke to Abraham as a lesson in faithfulness. And with Jephthah, now the law's in place. There's written law that prohibits the sacrifice of humans. And there's written law that if you make a vow or a promise, that you could go to the priest and get out of that vow and promise. So... I think that with Jephthah, he lacked understanding about God. And um, so I think him making the promise was maybe part of the culture, him looking at culture, and maybe not looking at God. Does that make sense? So I don't know. Anybody else have any thoughts? All right, just some closing comments. All right. You know, there are times in our life when we've been pushed out, right? When we've experienced rejection or we've been isolated, there's been family problems or problems in our communities, problems at work, and we've found ourselves living in knob. It's okay, but it's not great. There are also times when we've been pushed out of our comfort zone where maybe we have opportunities, but um, things have held us back. Sometimes we've pushed God out where we bargain or we struggle in our faith and we tell God, please do this and I'll do that. Or we think that we can earn our way out of trouble that we're facing. And then lastly, maybe some of us have made some vows or promises that we need to be released from this evening. Now, we don't make promises that we know we can't keep, but sometimes we make promises, and we realize we should have never made the promise. In the Old Testament, a priest could release someone from a vow that was rooted in sin, In the New Testament, Jesus is our high priest, and Jesus can release us from issues of life that don't benefit us and don't line up with the Word of God. Would you all say amen to that? Isn't it true? Can we pray? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time that we've had tonight, and Lord, when we study this passage of scripture, I pray that you give us insight and I pray that you give us wisdom. And Father, I pray tonight if any of us are experiencing the pain of being pushed out, the pain of being removed from Something, Lord, that we treasure or something that we love, or Father, maybe pushed out from what we've seen as a blessing or a sense of belonging. Lord, do you know that need? And you know it's hurtful, and that need is a felt need. So, God, I ask that you meet that need tonight in the name of Jesus. I pray that you touch our hearts and that you minister. And Father, if we've been guilty of pushing you out of life, if we've been guilty because of stress or circumstances where we've bargained with you and we've thought, Lord, just I'll do this and then you're going to do this and then life's going to be great and we've made these bargains, Lord, I ask that you forgive us and that you release us in the name of Jesus. And Father, if we've made agreements with people that we never should have made, And we're bound to things that don't please you. And God, there's sin involved. Give us wisdom and give us direction. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, I pray your blessings on the people that are here tonight. I pray that you work in their lives. You provide for every need they have. Whatever circumstances they're facing with jobs and with children and marriages and finances and extended families, Lord, I pray that you meet those needs in the name of Jesus. I ask that you shower your blessings down upon us. Father, help us to remember to worship you and praise you. Father, let your words of praise be on our lips all the day. Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, I just want to thank you just for the privilege of standing before you. And I know this congregation is filled with people who could stand and speak and share the word of God. And so thank you for allowing me to do that. I appreciate it. So be blessed. Have a great evening. And I know Trisha's got an announcement.